Welcome to the Disco Posse Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for the GC On Demand, then you found the freshly rebranded Disco Posse Podcast. Go to discopossepodcast.com for details. to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host today. Don't forget to keep following along. You can go to discopossepodcast.com, get show notes, links, and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And with that, let's get started. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, and my name is Eric Wright. Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast. Uh, I am at Disco Posse on Twitter. I'm Disco Posse, as you can find me in the Green Circle community and everywhere else on the net. Uh, very exciting. Uh, today we've got uh, a special guest and a, a big leader in the community and in a really interesting space. I'm happy to welcome uh, Alex Polvey, uh, CEO uh, of CoreOS, and and much more. So Alex, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the group and then we're going to talk about some some really neat things around CoreOS and, and the whole ecosystem wrapped around it. All right, well, thanks for having me, Eric. And yeah, as you mentioned, I'm founder and CEO of CoreOS. Uh, I've been working on this for a little under three years, or three years now, I guess, right around there. And um, and yeah, excited to share the story. So what's really neat about this is, you know, you you, you had experience, you know, obviously a history in, in development and, and uh, you know, open source work. And, and that's kind of a lot of what I wanted to cover today is, you know, open source is a, is a fun challenge for people to embrace but and get benefit from. And I think some folks have, have always wondered, like, oh, is there true benefit in having an open source product or project? And, you know, you've, I think you've definitely succeeded in that. I mean, and I think the community has shown that. So, but first of all, let's talk, you had a big year, you know, 2015 had a lot of stuff. So how did, what are some of the kind of big, big items that came out of 2015? And as you head into 2016, or the kind of the leaders into going into this next year? Sure. I, I think what happened in 2015, the overall and it was bigger than just us, although you know we were a key part of it, is we found out that this, this new way of running infrastructure, which I, I'm just going to call it now, we call it Giphy, Google's infrastructure for everyone else. Um, it involves distributed systems, containers, kind of standard hardware, where standard can be a virtual machine on AWS or a bare metal server from Dell. In 2015, this way of running infrastructure, I think, really became real to a... Um, you know, to an, an early set of users and customers and an emerging kind of ecosystem happened. All the pieces kind of fell together finally and it and end to end kind of started to come alive. Um, and that's the combination of you know things like Kubernetes and Docker and CoreOS and NCD and you know all these different pieces have finally clicked into place and in twenty fifteen I think we saw them get to a point where they're really becoming usable and that kind of we we transitioned from a, a market creation to a like, okay, now it's time to start figuring out what pieces of the market do we want to own. Um, and, and it was a, you know, big, 2015 was a big year, um, I think, for the, you know, this Gippy way of running infrastructure, because um, it, it really became real. 
I love that phrase too. You know, Giphy is the perfect description of it. And it's there's always been this fear that a lot of folks they look and like, well, Google does it this way and Facebook does it this way, and and quite often they get they get a little bit scared around that. Like, well, I don't have infrastructure like that. But the funny thing is, we would have said that probably around virtualization, around NT replication development. Like, there's every paradigm shift has started with a well, we're not ready for that, right? <laughs> Right. Well, look, what happened, what's happening from a macro perspective is pretty much every category of industry right now is seeing an explosion in web and digital. You know, whether you're retail or you're banking or you're whatever, there's, there's a explosion of web and digital going on, a lot of it driven by mobile. Um, and because of that, um, you have two forces. One, you have these traditional enterprise companies that have to step up and actually start delivering web services. And we know the best way to do that. That's the way that folks like Google and Facebook do it, they've obviously solved for it. And then at the same time, you have the big web services actually getting into these other markets for the first time. You have Google's, you know, selling cars. You have Facebook uh, doing payments. You know, it's like all over the place. So not only do they need to step up because of the explosion in web services, but also the, the web services companies are starting to become their biggest competitors. And I think a big driver for it, from what I've seen, and, and you know, maybe we can talk about this, is is community and the value of open source and, and the community wrapped around it has been huge. And I think you've you've got a lot that's you know, CoreOS is is deeply entrenched in in a strong community. So why don't you tell us about you know how community benefited and and how you sort of built community around you know, CoreOS, around Rocket, around you know, at CD and all of the stuff that you're doing. And I think that's a really, really helpful for folks that are looking to, to dive into open source as a way to develop a platform. Sure. I think the best to describe this, you need to step back a little bit to just like what motivates us as a company. Like, why are we doing any of this in the first place? Um, and in the very beginning, our goal at CoreOS has been to fundamentally improve the security of the internet. So when you talk to a Corio, you know, that's what we like to call our folks on the team. Yeah. They're like, we are here to secure the internet. Our approach is to help uh, companies run infrastructure in this Giphy way because we believe that that style of infrastructure has some properties that allows it to be much more secure and innately architecturally more secure than what you could do with the traditional way of running infrastructure. We can get into that separately. But the, okay, so if Giphy is our answer, what can we do to make Giphy real in all areas, not just for our own commercial interests, but just to move the market there? And open source is, a, I think, the fastest way to, to change the world of software is to give away the most difficult, hard parts in an open, collaborative you know, ecosystem. And you know, some cases where we've done that and really where we started were things like CoreOS Linux, which created this category of the container OS and still continues to lead it. But our, our product that we released right around CoreOS Linux was also etcd, our distributed database, which is the underpinning towards building any sort of distributed system. Um, and that those two pieces, I think, speak very clearly to kind of our motivations about enabling Giphy while, because we believe once that architecture is adopted, we'll be able to use it um, to provide companies with a much more secure environment, regardless if they're using us commercially or not. So we think of open source as really a, the, the most accelerated way to move the world forward. Um, and that's kind of that whole market creation phase that we've been going through over the last last two years is, is kind of generating that. And open source, I think, is the fastest way to develop a whole new market. And 
talk about that. You, you, I love that that phrase of creating a market because you truly did that. You, you started out with this vision, and like you said, I love the that you having that fundamental vision of this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to fundamentally change the way you know the internet operates and, and around security. And so, how did it feel when you went in there, knowing that there no one had? It was fresh tracks, right? No one had been there before you. Well, I don't want to give us all credit. I mean, we've gotten first very lucky in this whole space over the past few years. Docker's kind of explosion in Mindshare has been extremely beneficial to this. Things like Kubernetes coming along as a result of that has been extremely helpful, too. Um, our, our approach has just always been, like, what are the most difficult parts of this that we can build in the open source and give to any, anyone, and then in that way we think it will cause more like downstream effects from there. And I think a very crystal good, crystal clear example of that are things like etcd being adopted by Kubernetes. In a similar fashion that Kubernetes uses Docker too. You kind of need these like open source components um, to be created that will generate these downstream things to happen. Um, and so being able to identify where those opportunities are, like where is the white space? Where are the hard problems that, that nobody's um, nobody's working on? And that's you know that's the job of, of the you know the team and being an entrepreneur and those sorts of things is is to detect the 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 opportunities and then go and execute on them. Do you feel like there was other stuff that maybe was too early to market with some of these concepts? Like how did you, what what did you you know draw on to to build this vision of this compartmentalized containerized way of of attacking the problem? Did you did you have a history and other things that you saw like well they were close but they didn't quite make it or I want to I want to grow that a little further? Well, I mean, I think it, like Google and Facebook, you know, these guys have developed their own proprietary versions of, of these types of systems that are specific to their own companies, and they hired the engineering talent to just build it all custom in-house. Um, and so we saw the prior art there, and that's how we knew kind of what it kind of looks like, you know. And then um, we're not necessarily inventing fresh ideas here. What we're, we're building is, you know, open implementations of the difficult parts um, because we think that will enable kind of a broader ecosystem around it to emerge. So I think that you, know, you look at, well, we know these uh, these people are doing it just because you know, a number of us have worked at these companies. We've you know read the papers and all that sorts of stuff. Um, but identifying which pieces didn't exist and then just going and, and building them, you know, is, is kind of the fresh tracks. So talk about, you know, open source as a methodology it's been good and as a company that's wrapped around open source you know how have you been able to create a a a corporation you know like a a company and a platform around it you know how how hard is it to you know marshal the incoming code to sort of look at direction and and create you know committees you know stuff around that you've done around the open container that's a separate piece you know but like how how is it running a business that's embraced open source and making it a part of that core um you know i think we we embody it both from a the way we build our products um as well as just you know in our company culture i think we try to embody it i mean in free software from like the free software foundation style of free software, you know, is about the user's right to be, you know, to be open and to be able to know what software they're running and be able to change it freely and kind of a, it's almost a civil liberties perspective on on 
your relationship with the software that runs your lives or your businesses. And you know, I think we, we try to um, embody as much as we can simply because it's just the right thing to do in the world. Uh, you know, and the way that this gets embodied is like in Tectonic, which is our commercial you know, Giphy in a box. It's our vSphere or our you know, Cloudera um, for, for businesses that want to buy solutions, uh, not just piece together open source products. Anywhere we have an API, we make sure that those APIs are you know, completely open source and interoperable with something that a user could, could do themselves um, and, and set up and run, run their, themselves. And so I think, you know, and then of course there's all the open source, the, the pure open source pieces which are, um, you know, those, those are extremely liberally licensed pieces of software. Um, and we body it that way. So I, I think the free software side of things is extremely important to us, both from our go-to-market, but also as a you know as a company kind of culture as well. How how big is the team right now? I've, I'm always curious around you know how do you how do you keep all this stuff running in your internal team, anyways? Yeah, our our company is about 50 people today. And how much? Uh, another thing I know with, with free software advocacy, right, is part of not just embracing what you're doing for your own, you know, company, but outside work. Do you kind of have like dedicated time? You, you, you want your developers and, and folks to, to work on other things as well? How does, how does that all come into play as a, as a culture? Yeah, so our, you know, our engineering team either builds new open source software that's kind of in the white space of, of the market, or we contribute heavily to many other projects uh, as well. So, you know, we have a team of software developers that are building free software all over the place from our own projects to other people's projects. And the stuff that we work on are the things that, you know, we we need to exist in the world and work really well. On. And, and so, you know, we contribute heavily to that. It's a big, you know, big chunk of our our resources are towards, you know, building this this open ecosystem of tools um, that we think is a dependency to to enabling this this Gippy style infrastructure. And the the ecosystem and platform approach is is one. You know, how did you did you initially start thinking like? You know, we'll we'll treat CoreOS Linux and and the security aspect of you know quickly and easily updating. Uh, that's like a first target. Did you did you already see that you were going to build a an overall platform wrapped around it, or did you just did it happen naturally as an evolution with as you developed and, and started to link in other tools? Um, we've always had our eye on the on the ball of the kind of end to end platform, and it actually it all it all kind of pieces together. You can't have a OS that automatically updates itself unless you're running in a distributed system. So that's why we shipped CoreOS and etcd together kind of at a really early time. We started you know we invest started investing in a project called Fleet, which solves kind of one part of the distributed kind of application management side of things. So pieces that Kubernetes does, um, and over time, while Fleet has been actually pretty widely adopted, and some of our largest users are on Fleet, and we are committed to keeping Fleet kind of progressing, we do feel that Kubernetes is a more complete answer. So you would use Fleet when essentially you want to build your own version of Kubernetes, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and and so they they are different, um, but there is some overlap there, and that's one one example of just where we started doing in-house development because there was white space 
But then Google came along and were like, hey, we're just trying to model what they're doing anyway, and they have their engineering teams that built their internal version working on it, so we should probably just partner up with that, you know. Um, and and so, you know, it's an example of just how, you know, we, we fund engineering teams to solve kind of the, the end goal is, which is this way of running infrastructure, and how we get there can change, you know, subject to how the market's evolving. Yeah, Kubernetes definitely has had you know, a big, uh, a big upturn in popularity and, and with good reason, they, there's some really interesting stuff. So yeah, it's, it's neat, you know, as I saw people jumping in and saying, all right, fleet is cool. And then Kubernetes, you know, they saw this like, oh, all right, well, this is kind of led the, this already does most of what we need it to do and, and has that scalability and, and growth capability already. I'd say as a, as a community wise, Kubernetes, already had you know in itself in and of itself a huge community wrapped around it was that also helpful as a decision point when you look at adopting a, a product or a toolkit yeah we we think that for by and large you typically get a you know you get a piece like the white space we're trying to fill has some properties you know that that we we need it's easy to deploy it's lightweight if it's doing distributed systems backed by etcd because that that's a we build that for other reasons, but it's important that those are brought together, and so on. So if that, if that, all of those things exist and the product works well, and so on, we should just bet with it. Now, again, one of the huge benefits of open source software is you get a lot of lift from other people building it. In the case of Kubernetes, we contribute upstream, but there's, you know, there's a community much larger than just us that's developing it. Of course, that's helpful. It's kind of like the Linux kernel. You know, we don't build the Linux kernel. We just we package it and we do. We do have contributors that go and fix the Linux kernel when we run into bugs, but by and large, the Linux kernel is much bigger than us. But we need it to exist in the world to, again, do our Giphy. So we make sure that it kind of has the things fixed and it works well kind of for the use case and so on. And Kubernetes is similar spirit to that. And things like etcd and Chorus Linux are you know, our raw invention um, that, that are missing, or that are that white space. And how's the how's the reception been from folks around Tectonic? You know the the true sort of packaged commercial offering. Did, you know I saw the announcement, and uh, you know a lot of folks that I knew you know were involved in it. So it was it was exciting to see, you know this this new arm open up. And have you found a lot of uh, a lot of folks are kind of taking that on now? Yeah. So we were talking about 2015. I think 2016 is really the year of Tectonic. We put it out, at, you know, in a in a more GA form at the end of last year. We held our Tectonic Summit right in December, the first week of December. We had you know, 300 kind of leading enterprises come to that, um, and you know, we start showing interest. And Tectonic is just a, you know, it is it's a big bet for companies, you know, um, in that you are essentially able to pull out VMware and Red Hat at the same time um, and kind of have a new platform that looks and feels quite a bit different than what you were doing before. And the market opportunity that we're going after are, you know, these, these larger enterprises that are looking to uh, move to a new platform that enables them to be much more secure but also enables them to, you know, work in their own environments and on cloud. And so on. So we've you know, that's all well underway right now, and um, I think 2016 is really you know the year of tectonic, and the market timing seems to be about right as well, which is a big critical aspect of it. Yeah, there's there's always that 
that thing you can have amazing technology that that gets to the market too early it's not ready to be consumed and it and it's tough because you watch really great products you know get out too early and, and they don't get the the love they deserve and and especially when you're when you're wrapping a business around it it's 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 unfortunate that timing is 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 of critical importance right yes uh, you know, so talk about, you know, new things that are coming. We, we've got, uh, some stuff we're going to, going to dabble in. We're going to have a, uh, you've got a lot ahead in 2016. We've got some stuff that we'll talk about of that's happening now. And let's, let's maybe dive into the announcements, which of course, as, as folks are listening to this, they'll have already seen the press releases, hopefully. Uh, but I know congratulations are in order to the team on, on some new stuff that's happened. And why don't you tell us about what's brand new here with uh, with CoreOS and, and Rocket. All right, so the big news is we are 1-0-ing Rocket, uh, which is a, obviously a big milestone for an open source project. Um, we developed Rocket you know, in this similar space of let's go for some white space, do things that others aren't doing, and do it in a different way. Um, you know, it was a bit of an exciting period to get out there um, because there is a you know, big incumbent in this space, obviously Docker, um, the Docker engine. Um, and so we, we built Rocket really to address some secu security and composability uh, concerns that couldn't be fixed without really a rewrite of Docker itself, as well as, you know, kind of a priority shift for the project overall, which, you know, that project is just much bigger than our own concerns at this point. So we've we've built uh, we built Rocket. The the key kind of pieces are that it's it's focused really heavily on being very security minded. This is both in just taking advantage of you know decades of best best practices that have been out there in the Unix world, as well as doing some more advanced things like integrating with the TPM or providing virtualization for containers and and things like that. Um, and you know by one owing it. Um, we're, you know, we're making a commitment to our developer community that all the interfaces and APIs and everything are stable, and any changes will be backwards compatible, and you know, all, all of that um, sorts of stuff. So that's that's the big news. We're going out 1.0. It's been in development over a year. Um, we think we have a pretty interesting, a very interesting little piece of technology. Um, it's it's built in a really completely different way than than um, Docker um, that we think will help companies um, build an environment that's much more secure and reliable. That's great. And, you know, again, congratulations to the the whole team and community on the work that's gone in to, to do that. So uh, I'm going to ask this question, you know, how do you make the decision that it's 1.0 ready? Like what, what other rigor do you have to put in to ensure that, you know, as you talked about, that APIs are, are you know, are going to be strongly supported, foundational, backwards compatibility? When, when do you know that it's, it's ready to call it 1.0? You know, that's a bit of a judgment call on the engineering team um, and, you know, kind of from an engineering and product perspective. Um, but the main things we're looking for is, you know, has it been widely used? Have we, um, you know, really feeling, you know, like we put a lot of thoughtfulness into the design and that it's been, you know, tested and used by in a variety of environments? Um, and has it just had some time to kind of bake in the community? You know, we, we initially released Rocket in December of 2014. So it's been, you know, about 12, 13 months of development. Um, so we feel we have a very stable base to grow on. We've done some really interesting integrations with third-party companies. We have companies emerging that are you know, building their businesses and their products on Rocket. 
um, and everything. So we feel at that point, you know, we can we can call it 1.0, and you know, it's an important milestone for us um, because we we anticipate that you know this will now you know continue to 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 grow that that uh, ecosystem. If we've gotten this far without a 1.0, you know, what happens once we're now telling the world, okay, you can actually go use it now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, and it's there's this weird thing that you know we always talk about the enterprise tag you can tack on something, and and typically everybody always wants to see like, well, I won't call it ready for enterprise unless it's 1.0. But like I said, it's such a soft milestone that it's uh, I've seen tons of of products and projects that have been like 0 0.99, 0 0.99, like they'll just keep going into the digits because they never want to hit one because there's this sort of fear of of making the 1.0 cut, but it's. It, like you said, it's just you know, the community's big. The product has proven itself out, and you've got companies latching on, which is great. Uh, how about the the registry? How how have you found the the uptake on on the on the container registry and and everything there? Um, that's been a great product for us. Um, you know, we have um, many customers on that platform, both on a hosted side as well as on our enterprise offering. <laughs> there we put the enterprise label on it, um, but is the, you know, in your own environment version of it. Um, the, the Quay Enterprise is part of our, um, yeah, I guess I, we didn't even mention the name, Quay. It's a, you can find it at quay.io, and you can buy that at both uh, hosted, you know, 10 20 $50 a month type plan or on a enterprise excuse me, enterprise license uh, version, which kind of comes down, uh, you know, into your own environment. And um, and it's been going great. I mean, that's a great example of you, you can go find open source registries and set them up yourself, and that's good, but there's just a category of customers that want to buy products and solutions, you know, not piece together open source. Quay was really early into the market of having an on-prem version. Uh, we were about a year out ahead of really any other competitor. On that one, um, and we've we've seen a, a great amount of traction there. Um, and you know, anybody that's using Quay is typically doing more with containers than just putting it in a registry. Um, and so it's been a great way to start developing relationships with our customers as well. Yeah, and, and I I love that you know the integration was seen to be really rapid with with you. How did you find it? How many how many folks came over with the with the purchase and when you guys actually brought Quay on board? Um, that's a relatively small team. That's our New York team. Um, but yeah, the integration went great. They, they're, you know, they're Corios, just like the rest of everyone else at this point, and it's a critical part of our product line. If you go to like Corios.com or Tectonic.com or Quay.io, you'll notice kind of the cross-linking to all the different sites and everything now. Um, and you know, it's all just kind of one product family. We like. We like the Unix philosophy of you know do one thing and do one thing well um, versus uh, you know versus trying to build it all. And you see that in our branding strategy too. We have all these little products. You know, Tectonic being a big product in terms of cost and implementation and everything, but it's its own kind of thing, separate from the the core OS um, open kind of you know components side of yeah. things. And then Quay is its own little a la carte piece that you can go and use. Um, just kind of best tool for the job. But I think that I like that approach of, you know, loosely coupled corporation. It's it's probably the right <laughs> way to do it. <laughs> it. You've got the opportunity to see good integration, but it's all they're independent of each other, yet they work work beautifully together. You can package them as needed. It's, it's I think it's the right approach versus, you know, one of the challenges, you know, 
I won't make you say it. I'll say it. You know, one of the Docker challenges that I saw early on was that they were kind of taking a, a, a sort of monolithic approach to a lot of it and it seemed like they were going to get stuck at some point where interdependencies were going to get hardened and, and that can be a challenge. So, you know, and then seeing what Rocket brought to the market and it was good. It was kind of a, a fresh breath into something that highlighted some challenges that were being faced in, in the, the Docker ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, we're not we're not trying to do anything crazy or controversial. We're just trying to build a well-engineered, secure container runtime. And to do that, it has to be built in like particular ways. Um, but competition seems to get people excited. <laughs> I guess so. It's it's almost like the the TMZ. We've got the register. It's our TMZ for for technology, and and they love to see a good war going on. So. Every time there's two things that come together that look alike, they say, oh, clearly they must be competitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the open container initiative, how how are things going with that? And, and what a, sort of new things have you seen that have begun around there? I was recently at... Uh, a meetup in um, goodness gracious, sorry, in San Francisco, and there was some chat about you know where the Open Container Initiative was going, and it's sort of very early on in a lot of the spec development. How how's the interaction been with that? Yeah, so you know we really like open standards and kind of vendor neutral working groups and so on. Um, so you know we're supportive of Open Container. The one area where we're just a, you know a bit you know desire more is we really think. The, the most important part of standardization at this point is around the image format and the standard around that. So that is the user being able to package up their container and then deploy it in a variety of different runtimes. So that means the user packages once um, and then they're able to run it in Docker or Rocket or Amazon EC2 container service or um, Kubernetes or whatever and it works consistently. We think that's the most kind of important aspect of this. Um, and the OCI to date has not been focused on that. What they're focused on is the plugin um, architecture for how you execute a container. So what that means is for potentially Rocket and Docker could share the implementation of how to execute a container um, you know, inside of the, the engines themselves. It has nothing to do with the end user. It has more to do with the people developing the container engines being able to interoperate, if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so while, while perhaps over time the OCI's scope will expand to the kind of the end user image format, um, you know, we, we, and we would love that and we would, we would happily continue to do our work there. It hasn't to date, and even the exec plugin driver side of things has been taking a really, really long time to mature. So our solution to this, at least within Rocket, is we are continuing our work around app container on the app container is the standard of that kind of created all of this in the first place. Um, we're continuing our work around the app container image format, as well as supporting Docker's you know, specific image format inside of Rocket as well. Um, so a user can bring their Docker images, no problem. Our tool will go and run them. And then if they want to use a standards-based one, which we believe will be adopted over time by the OCI or CNCF, or just emerge into its own you know, its own kind of de facto standard. That's kind of where it's at right now. It, it kind of stands alone. Um, t- 
today, uh, you can you can choose either. And by calling Rocket 1.0, we're committed to making those things interoperate and backwards compatible as we move versions forward. And while it'd be great if we just had one standard already figured out and we didn't have to do that extra work, we will do it for you uh, with Rocket to just keep the keep the projects moving forward. Um, so that's where we're at right now. Again, supportive of the OCI and the work that they're doing. We think that the exec driver plugin stuff is interesting down the road, no problem. We just think that the biggest value to end users would be that image packaging side, and so we're committed to continuing to invest there. Yeah, agreed, and uh, that's definitely. Yeah, I'd love to see it move. Yeah, a little further up the stack a bit, <coughs> and and the the end user experience is truly what we we want to tackle. So that brings up a good idea of challenges. You know how how have, what are challenging things that you do face with you know obviously uh, you know feeding into an open source market. You know we're talking about standards. What are the biggest challenges that you've kind of hit? you know, over since the dawn of CoreOS that ones that you'd warn people like, you know, be ready for this if you embrace open source development and, you know, latching onto other open tools. Sure. I just think that the thing businesses need to keep in mind is, you know, you're going to have to fund it in some form. If you're going to piece together the open source side, that means you need to hire engineers that are going to be able to piece it all together for you. Um, or you need to work with products like Tectonic that do that for you. You know, so that there's still that, there's a value component that's not in the software itself that still needs to be handled um, for adopting open source. And you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen examples of you know some of the enterprises you know we're working with where the previous kind of open platform plays they were working on, they had hired this big team, and then the whole team like goes and leaves into another company, oh, and now they have their own implementation and nobody working on it. You know, um, and those are some of the dangers of open source software. So I think. Your business leader thinking about bringing it into your environment. Just keep in mind you're going to have to fund something additionally, like the free software side of it. Um, you know, it doesn't mean it magically sets itself up and and you know stays up to date and all of that for you. You need either a vendor or a team, you know, helping you do that. Yeah, it's. I think that's probably the one. And and being an open product and an open source company are two different things I mean way back when I'll go to you know, talk about what what happened with you know with nebula and, and this idea of like openstack people said oh like well clearly openstack has has failed like well no as a unfortunately the business model in that case became you know one that couldn't continue to operate it didn't mean that the underlying open tools and products didn't continue to exist and grow and Obviously, we've seen that OpenStack didn't didn't die on the vine, you know, when a lot of those companies kind of, you know, had some of those challenges. So it's it's encouraging to remind people that there's you know, there's a cost to doing business for free. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, definitely. What are what are good reasons? This is one I always love to ask people. You know, if you if you had to tell somebody to to go buy a book, you know, go buy find a resource that they want to read, and they what's 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 on Alex's reading list that he would say these are like my my books that I recommend that anybody whether it's software development or or business operations I'm always keen to hear you know who what's on your reading list <laughs> what's on my reading list um, well that's a very good question you know the stuff the stuff I read <laughs> I mean it's almost a bit funny to talk about I I. <laughs> Um, 
You know, I really appreciate that stories of people like, you know, creating something new and kind of going against the like grain. Mm -hmm. And so that's like a lot of early, like early America stuff actually. Like history, I think is really interesting. Like all the American Revolution and Thomas Jefferson and all those sorts of things, I think are very interesting and inspirational. I think that there's a lot of a lot of lessons learned from our history, um, even though they're completely different times that can be applied to the stuff um, that's going on now. So I always find those sorts of things um, pretty interesting. And then there's all the technical books, of course, out there. You know, the the new Brian Kernahan Go book looks, looking pretty good <laughs> and that kind of stuff. But <laughs> it, that's cool. And but it's it's funny when you say that like the best thing we can learn from is is history right it's 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 happened for a reason and and especially when it's when it repeatedly succeeds in other venues it's like why wouldn't we latch onto those ways of doing things so it's inspirational to kind of watch that you know, the classic sales book, I think, is Dale Carnegie's, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It was written in like, you know, like pre-1920. And yet it, today is still used as like a, a standard standard read for every salesperson as they go through business college. So it's there's something to be said about looking over history and, and going way back and seeing how it got done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's uh, what's next, I guess, for 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 Alex and for CoreOS? You know, what's the next little while look like? You've got have, what what events can we find you at, and and what are sort of places people can go to find out a little bit more about? You know, obviously, you know, Rocket 1.0. We'll put a link up to the the press release and and where to get a hold of the current you know current code and such. But what's what can we expect to see in the next little while? Sure. So, I mean, we're still staying laser-focused on our goal to run the world servers and secure the Internet. Um, but as we get there, you know, some of the big events we have coming up, uh, CoreOS Fest in 2016, you know, that's our our you know, big community event. Um, and we're hosting that in Berlin this year, um, and that's coming in May. Um, pretty much any infrastructure-related or container or cloud or kind of any of that we have somebody at, at this point, either speaking or participating in, um, in some form. So you can find us kind of at everything, um, anything in the industry at least. And then uh, even the VM Turbo event we were at last past year, um, right. and and um, and yeah, CoreOS Fest is our big one in May, um, and you know we expect a pretty big turnout. We're we're taking it to to Europe just to mix it up a little bit, um, and it should be really good for our colleagues over in uh, that part of the world. That's really, really cool. And, you know, it's it's part of, you know, we have this sort of assumption a lot of times as, you know, North American companies tend to you know, stay North American centric. Obviously, there's a customer base, but, you know, European base is, has greatly adopted open source technologies for decades. So, you know, that's it's it's really cool when you can go over there and you realize like, wow, there's a ton of amazing minds over there and and you know, disparate countries that speak different languages and yet you all come together in one big room and, and there's this shared love of, of something cool. So it's, I, I think that's going to be really neat to see. Yeah, it should be really good. We're looking forward to it. So, uh, Alex, what's the best way for folks if they want to chat with you, get a hold of you uh, uh, after the podcast, they want to ask any other questions, uh, where do we find you online? Yeah, sure. I mean, probably the easiest places. You know, I'm on Twitter. Everyone else just at Polvi, my last name, um, on Twitter. Um, or you know, I'm sure folks could find me via email. They poke around a little bit too. Just a at coreos.com. So um, 
either of those work. Excellent. Well, again, congratulations uh, to the team on the announcement on Rocket 1.0 on everything that's happened with CoreOS. <clears throat> Very excited to see it all grow. Uh, and and thank you for all that you've contributed back, uh, you know, to all these different projects and and uh, you know securing the internet uh, one one piece at a time. We're gonna get there. <laughs> We're gonna get there. We're gonna do it. All right. Thank you for your time. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. You're listening to the Disco Palsy Podcast.